Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. The building. And an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is when you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm Andre Howe. Man, thank you guys for joining us for another episode, man. I think um, we've been, this season has been truly uh, amazing. Just some so many of the stories that we've been able to highlight, so many of the great guests we've been having on, Andre, that's just share their stories and their journeys. We've kind of really been digging into that HBCU life. And uh, the guy that we have on this week, man, I mean, he's a Quincy, Florida native. Uh, all county football 2003 to 2005 all big ben football 2004 2005 all big ben uh track 2005 i'm talking about one of the smartest guys right over a 4.0 graduating high school preseason all me 2009 uh, uh undrafted free agents of the new york jets in 2010 bcu bethune cookman alum lee it engineer and recruiter with home depot He's on the Bethune-Cookman University Scientific Advisory Board of engineer, uh, for engineering accreditation. Man, no, with no further ado, my former teammate, my guy, Philip Kirkland. Welcome to the podcast. Yo, what up? What up, man? Thank you for having me, having me man. man definitely. It's an honor to have you on, man. Um, before we kind of get started, man, is, uh, you know, I just want to ask a little bit, obviously, an HBCU alum. Man, what is your thoughts about just the spotlight and just the, all the attention that's been uh, that's been on the HBCUs as of late? Hey, man, I've been loving it. I've been preaching it for a long time since I came from Cookman. Before I even made the decision to go to Cookman, right? Like, I always tell my friends that went to PWIs and stuff like that, like, man, you know, it's a different experience. You know, I ask them different questions, like, how was it going to a PWI and all this other stuff? And I kind of compare, like, yeah, man, it ain't the same. So seeing all this stuff, all the publicity we get and you know it's only right i mean it's only right man it's been one of the biggest kept secrets you know what i mean and mm -hmm. um even when i had the opportunity to work at pwis or you know at the in, the in the nfl i would always talk with some of the guys that went to you know major universities and just mm -hmm. the experience hbcu had a lot of them say man i just wish i had the opportunity you know to experience that type of love that type of support Man, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's been one of the biggest kept secrets, so I'm excited, man. Yeah, man. Long overdue. Long overdue. All the blessings. We need all that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Keep it, keep it pouring in. Well, Dre, um, uh, again, we got a great guest on, so uh, he's been a big supporter of our podcast, so he knows all about really going beyond the hype, sharing the journey and process. So, man, what we're going to do is just start from the beginning, man. Just tell us a little bit about where you're from and what it was like for you growing up there. Oh, uh, man. Quincy, Florida. Y'all don't know where it's at. It's in the Panhandle, 20 miles west, I-10, Tallahassee, you know. So Quincy, Florida, country little town, well, country little city, um, probably about 15 to 20,000 people there, real small. Everybody know each other. If you somebody, everybody know you growing up, especially sports, anything like that. You know, like I said, country lifestyle. I grew up on a dirt road. We did, you know, country stuff, mudding. You know, dirt rock fights, pellet gun fights, jumping stuff, hunting, fishing, camping, eating wildlife, all that. Bonfires outside. Like, 
it was the life, man. Going outside, hanging with your friends, you know, get off the bus, you know, do your homework, go outside, shoot basketball, you know, got a whole little basketball goal. Sometimes we used to have to like get like the bike uh tires, knock out the uh the spokes and get up a cardboard, <laughs> put it on the board, uh on the tree, hooping. We in there, we out there on dirt, you know, you got little uh what they call the little roots from the trees in the way, you know what I'm saying? The ball hit, go out of bounds, rocks <laughs> in the way. We ain't give us. We play every sport known to man, everything sandlot. So, I mean, it was fun, you know what I'm saying? You know, it was a blessing. Drake can relate that. Drake grew up in a little country, little country, yeah, country, little country town called Port Allen, right near, right in Louisiana, Port Allen, Louisiana, right near Baton Rouge. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I know about it. Yeah, about that, yeah, I grew up like that, just like that. Yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, when did you first start playing sports and who inspired you early on? Let's see. When I first started playing sports, it all started like just outside with, you know, my community uh, from Charlotte, which is a small community in Quincy. Just out there playing with my friends, neighborhood people. You know, we used to play Sandlot football, Sandlot baseball, basketball, volleyball, full square, you name it. We played everything. Right. So that was my first time playing sports. Um, I actually got inspired to play sports. Because, A, my dad used to always go take me to, like, the different parks around Quincy. Like, they'll go play, you know, at Shallow Park or Friendship Park, all these different parks around. And just watch my daddy hoop. You know what I'm saying? You know, they out there just going back and forth, like, grown men just, like, jawing at each other. So I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. So, you know, so, like, coming home from school, all my friends, like, I'm a friend-oriented I'm a friend -oriented person. Like, I like having my friends. And everybody started playing, you know, recreation, like, t-ball. And... You know, I do all my homework on the bus. So when I get home, do my chores, I'm outside. Like, I got more time to play outside. Come outside, ain't nobody there because everybody at T-ball practice. And I'm like, hey, mom, you know, dad, Larry, hey, I want to play some T-ball. You know, okay, that's, that's fine. You know, you got the grades, go play. You know, so I end up playing T-ball. My first time was, like, like second grade when I played T-ball. Um, I actually played football for the first time. In the sixth grade, my daddy actually signed me up. I didn't really want to play football, actually. Uh, my mama definitely didn't want me to play football. He's like, you're too smart. That's dumb. You know, <laughs> like my mama, I think you met my mama, Pope. Yeah. Like my mama was like, she's like straight up and down. Don't, no fear to like, she just give it to you. all like, that's stupid. You're too smart to be playing football. They'll bang your head. That's stupid. You got more talents than that. So she like, you know, you can play if you keep all A's. I'm like, that, that's easy. So. First year playing organized football. Uh, I think in Miami, y'all got like Optimus Leagues. Yeah. Uh -huh. But in uh, Quincy, we got like Pee Wee, which is like the smaller kids. Then we have the higher uh, kids, right? Mm -hmm. so the little kids, first time when I played quarterback, he used to call me like, uh, well, going to middle school, he used to call me like little Michael Vick because I was left handed, I was fast, and I was playing quarterback. So, first season playing football, went 0 and 8. <laughs> Coming home mad every day because I played with white people, right? And my dad had the others. He with the bigger kids. And, you know, they won the championships after championships. You know, they laughing at me on the ride home on this van because my dad had, like, one of these long trips, man. He used to go pick up the kids from all over Quincy and Gadsden County. I always had a ride. So, you know, they picking at me. Yeah, y'all, you know, y'all ain't win no game. So, you know, come play with, you know, come play with your daddy. You know, we can win championships. So, you know, after – Playing my sixth grade year, I played with my daddy for one year. Well, he always trained me, but playing with my daddy seventh grade year, we, won, we, won, we lost our first game, and then we just beat everybody else after that. 
played the game, the team that we lost the first game in the championship, ended up blowing them out, played with him one year, then went to uh, my eighth grade year in uh, middle school. Uh, Coach Green, uh, he ran all his plays through the tight end. He threw the ball to the tight end. Like, like yeah, I need somebody to catch. I'm like, hey, I'll play whatever you want. Like, football is easy to me. I'll play whatever you want. So that's when I started playing the receiver position, right? So played eighth grade year. Uh, ninth grade, didn't play because I'm a nerd by by trade. I'm a nerd. Right? Yeah. Did it because, you know, everybody else was doing it and I could do it. I'm like, all right, well, I know I'm better than them because, you know, I played with them my whole life. It's like we know everybody in Quincy and Tallahassee, so I definitely can play with them. So Side up my ninth grade year because I was a nerd. I wanted to get my 4.0 up. You know, I want to make sure my, my honors class is on in check. You know, because my mom was like, hey, you know, you in high school, that little not studying thing ain't going to work no more. All right, all right, you know, I'm going to take this year off. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to play. You know, my teammates from uh, well, my classmates at the time was like, hey, man, you should come out there, come play with us, stuff like that. I'm like, nah, man, you know, I'm definitely not going to play JV, you know, because I feel like I'm better than JV. Cause you know I know what y'all can do, and that's not me. So so so, so you just so hold on. So so when you talk about ninth grade not playing, yeah, because you want to get your grades right. Yeah, but then yeah. you also saying that you you definitely don't want to waste your time playing JV. Yeah, definitely. I mean that that in itself again, because I, I I knew you didn't play your ninth grade year, but I knew you know you had a focus on your academics. So I just wanted to you know find out like where did this academic awareness come from? Because even when you said your mom was like you're smarter than that, you're too smart to play football. Because if I'm not mistaken, she did she just like drop out tenth grade. Where, yeah, where, yeah. So where did this academic awareness or passion come from? Oh man, so it started. So I was always curious, always curious, right? Um, like you said, my mama dropped out tenth uh, grade. I think it was like ninth grade, going into the tenth grade. Actually, I think she was like maybe fourteen, something like that. So she dropped out, and my dad, my dad went to FAMU though, and he ended up leaving early because you know being in the country back in them days, he was staying with his grandma. And they needed help around the house, so he had to get a job and all this other stuff. So when I, as I was growing up, like from pre-K, from what I remember, my dad would always tell me, like, hey, I'm telling you, going to college is going to be, your, that's going to be the best experience you're going to ever have. And I just held on to him, like, what my daddy said, because I was a daddy, like, I was a daddy, but like, I couldn't separate me from my daddy, right? So he tell me that, I'm like, oh, man, family, I mean, because he used to take me to the family game and have a little orange and green, little windbreaker sweatsuit, <laughs> watching the watching 100, hot, you know what I'm saying, out there <laughs> with my daddy and stuff. So he telling me, I'm seeing all these people, all these black people, because I'm from a, you know, from a black place, but, you know, I'm at this school, so I'm exposed to HBCU life already, and I learn about it as I get older, and like I said, I was curious growing up, so... I was naturally like pulled to academics because in my head, like our our counterparts always figured that we was always ball players and stuff like that, and entertainers and stuff like that. I'm like, I always wanted to like go against the grain. Like I was like, no, nah, I gotta prove this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they say men not smart, smarter than women. So I had like proved to my classmates, like, nah, you know, I can compete with y'all if I want to, type thing. So it was kind of like a chip on my shoulder. Just showing that a black man can also be smart and not just smart. I mean, like way past that, almost genius level type stuff without even trying. Right. So uh, we used to have these like this collection of encyclopedias and botanical books that I used to like write my book reports on. Right. <laughs> we, had, we had like we had five of the alphabet missing, but, you know, I still use those. Right. Have a little typewriter to type the little papers on this. So 
you know, just like researching like just life stuff, like, okay, what makes a human body tick? I got a human body, so I was thinking about this, the, like the circulatory system and all these things, right? And then I got intrigued by space and science drew me in and I was like, you know what? By like second grade, I knew I was gonna be an engineer. I was like, definitely gotta be an engineer. So I had just start researching, like, how do you become an engineer? What I need to do? And I started like, oh, you gotta go to, you know, MIT, you gotta go to the Ivy League, because you know, you see this on TV, you watching movies and stuff, it's always the PWIs on there, unless you're watching like uh Fresh Prince of Bel Air and all that stuff, Martin, they'll show some stuff, but they never showed them going to school really. Like I didn't really pay that attention. So my mom used to always drilling me like, you gotta go to Ivy League, you gotta go to Princeton. And I'm like, Ma, you you never even went to school. How you even know about Ivy League school? Like, you heard this on the radio somewhere. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I just knew like my ticket out of like Quincy was like academics. Like, I didn't really highlight like the sports stuff. Like, I watched it all the time. Like, Miami uh, Hurricanes got me into it in like the early 90s. Like, that was my team. If they would offer me a scholarship, I would have went there. But <laughs> outside of them, I wouldn't went to a PWI, right? So just growing up and just being like having the thirst for knowledge of like why they like figure that we are just athletes. Like they don't show us as you know what I'm saying, the smart people. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to change that fold. And like Ray Ray was one of the people that showed me that he was the first person that was like both. Like I never seen nobody that did both. I like theoretically in my head as a scientist, it's possible, but I never seen it. Until I got into middle school when Ray Ray came into the fold. So that's how I, you know, I was academically inclined, I guess. I mean, that's amazing. That's stuff that we highlight. Dre, we talk about that because he goes, he went to Vandy, Vanderbilt, you know, just academics and just kind of talking about even just being, you know, growing up being a smart guy, like, you know, you was made fun of for being a smart guy, right. calling you nerds or, pick, you know, just kind of picking on. And I, and I, me just kind of as an adult looking back, it's like, man. You know, we made it not cool to be smart. And but I always remember. But the thing was, so in Quincy, I always had a mindset. Well, wherever I went, I always had a mindset that I'm in the center. Like, I'm in the center of this world. I'm not worried. I've never cared about outside noise, right? Like, I carried myself in, like, a leadership way. Like, I, like a lot of people gravitated to me because, A, I didn't care about what people said was normal mm -hmm. for us, right? And I didn't do what other kids did. So everybody was like gravitating towards me, right? So I became a popular kid. So they started calling me a cool geek. So, you know, I can hang out with the nerds over here playing Pokemon, trading Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff. But over here, you know, I can be over here talking with them about sports. And then over here with the smart kids, you know, hey, what school we think about going? So you did that homework, you doing that project, what we doing in chemistry? That kind of thing. So I was always able to like walk around the campus. I was good in the neighborhood, so. All that cool geek that everybody knew. Amazing. So, 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 talk about it again. You say not playing your ninth grade. You're focusing on education, mm -hmm. not want to play uh, JV. But you also started out at Shank High School, right? Mm -hmm. Talk yep. about you know starting out there and then having to uh, to go over to East Gaskin. Well, how was that for you? So, the first two years I went to Shanks. Uh, Shanks actually closed down tenth grade. It became a middle school, right? Mm -hmm. So. Like I said, Quince ain't but so big. And I guess the resources and all that stuff is like, okay, we need to make, we need to, we need to combine resources. So our rival high school, which is like a smaller school, but growing up, my parents growing up, always said that was like a rival school, Havana uh, High School. They ended up merging our two schools to create 
East Gaston High School. Then it became oh. Gaston. It'll change its name like twice now. But it's only one high, one public high school in Gaston County. You have a, a, another uh, private school, but it's one public school that's in Midway. Like it's Midway between Quincy and Tallahassee. So the city is called Midway, actually. So like going to like Shanks and not playing my ninth grade year, I mean, it was cool. I I had no I had no pressure. Like you know, I wasn't like pressured into playing sports. You know, after you know that ninth grade year spring, and they start you know in the corners they for tryouts and all this other stuff. I'm like, hey Vic, you know what I'm saying? You wanna let's go let's go play some football. What position are you gonna play? I'm gonna play running back. I'm, uh, I'm gonna try to play receiver because they ain't playing tight end no more. Right? <laughs> so that's how we end up going out there. You know, and that whole journey was like that was a crazy journey because. Going until you got the Cody Fag and all these guys out there, like like high recruited, and so you know I'm like looking at them. They like grown men to me. I'm like, that's where I need to be at. Like them boys out there fighting. Like I need some of that because that's what I'm used to in the country. Like you, we literally playing on like patches of dirt with some grass in it, like with some cement blocks in it. Like you get hit, dust just pop up. Poof. Like I'm used to that. Like I'm used to doing that kind of stuff. And they down there in the hole that we call the little practice field. Then the whole they practicing. I'm up there on JV with my little black jersey on, like, but this is trash. Like, this is it's not even me. Like, I was like, I can't wait till the spring ball game come up because I know I'm gonna I'm gonna show out, right? So that's how the whole thing happened. You know, spring football comes around. Uh, we got the offense uh JV versus the varsity defense, and vice versa. And I'm playing both ways. So offense we got referees full game. We had a backup uh, quarterback for Varsity, uh, Hugh Cunningham, uh, God bless his soul. He was our quarterback or whatever. And, you know, he already done picked out who he's going to throw the ball to. He's like, hey, Kurt, hey, I'm throwing everything to you because, you know, I ain't going to even waste I'm throwing everything to you. Don't make me look bad. Mm-hmm. I ended up coming out of that spring football game with like almost 200 yards receiving, about two touchdowns on, like, the starting cornerbacks. I'm drawing. I'm slapping. Like, it's like a whole thing. So my coach, he come up, you know, after the game, he like, hey, Kirkland, don't put on a black jersey. Put on this white offensive, like we had the white offensive uh, varsity jerseys. You're on varsity now. And that's how that happened. I sat on the bench for the first four games, though, which that was a whole different thing. I had to blow up to even get on the field after that. So <laughs> that was a whole thing right there. So, yeah, man. So, so talk, a little, talk a little bit about just your, just your general success. The success of the school once y'all, you know, obviously started at, uh, with, well, you yeah, y'all was at Shanks and then kind of they were East Gaston County. Kind of talk about just your overall success, you know, sophomore year and junior year. Kind of how was the team, you guys, you know, the success of the team and just your individual success as well. Yeah, so uh, 10th grade year, which was the last year of Shanks, uh, we went to the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if you know, know Madison County, but that was like yes. one of the biggest, yes. like, that's like oh. our big game. Like, it's like he's the country boy, like the cowbell ringing you know, cow tipping type. So I'm like, okay, we got to go out there and do this, right? So 10th grade, like I said, my first four games, I sat on the bench, mad. Like I'm on the bench, mad. Like I'm at practice, like I know I can get, like I'm in my head, like I can catch better than him. Only person on this field that's like, can catch better than me or run routes better than me. Cause I, you know, I'm just running routes for the first time. I'm like, okay, I can't really run routes, but I can run the route and I'm catching everything. I'm no more plays. And I'm like, Cody's the only thing. Like, you know, I'm fast as the rest of the guys. You know what I'm saying? I got Amp Battles, Dakota Fag, Mike Fig, all these guys out there. And 
they're grown-ups, and I'm loving it. I'm loving the competition. They fight, and they compete every day. It's not like, oh, um, title prize. They out there, like, getting it. And I'm like, okay, I like this. So after our, like, fourth game, third or fourth game, practice, I just go off on everybody. I'm fighting cornerbacks. I'm mad. I'm cussing people out. I'm, I'm highly aggressive in practice, right? You know, Coach Thomas pulled me to the side. You know, he talked to me like, hey, you know, you out here jaw jacking and all this other stuff like you ready to play because everybody else was juniors and seniors. And I'm the only sophomore. Well, me and Javar, all of them, my other classmates, we the only, we the youngest people. Like, it's two of us. Both of us in the, in the south, uh, 10th grade. And we on varsity. And he's playing. I'm not. So I'm like, you know, just put me on, blow up. Put me on, JV, if you want me to do this, let me go out there at least play football. I don't want to sit on the bench. So, you know, one of our big rival games come up. We go play Leon at Leon. He's like, all right, well, who's red offense, right? And he's like, they play, they want to play man-to-man. They want to double cover uh, Cody. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you at X by yourself. And you're going to have one-on-one. They ain't going to respect you because they don't even know about you. And we just gonna we're gonna take we're gonna take advantage of you, buddy. Show what you got. That game I had over 100 and some yards, two touchdowns, just came out. It was just like oh, coming out part of it, me, right? So now it's like I gotta play. So go to the playoffs, Cody get hurt. Uh we go to uh double overtime. Uh we miss an extra point to start going to uh going to the third overtime, right? Playoffs over. You know, it's like Cody get, you know, picked up by Florida State, get his scholarship. Mm-hmm. And that's when it dawned on me, like, that's how these, that's how colleges get these athletes. Because I never thought about it. I'm like, I'm just out here. I'm, I know I'm going to get an academic scholarship. That's all I know, right? And he gets all these scholarships. And I see all these boys getting all these scholarships. I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, he signed to Florida State. Oh, it makes sense now. And that's when it all clicked. So after that, school shut down, go to uh, East Gaston. Trash, <laughs> trash can. Like when I tell you, like all my classmates were now in Boston, and I'm like, me and Javada, like the two people, and a few other juniors from the varsity was like the only people left. And then you had the smaller school Havana that came in with us. They had some dogs, but it wasn't the same no more. It was was it like, the same coach? Was you had the same? It was the same high school coach. Um, but uh. It just wasn't the same, you know. So that was trash. So I oh, played both plays, you know, play um, receiver, still doing the thing, you know. You got Ellis Garden that went to Gabby. I'm trying to like, you know, in the newspaper they keep the stats, who got the most receptions, no the yards and touchdowns. You know, you got Fred Ross at the time. Wow, you so know, yeah. all them guys that's coming out of there. Um, so you know, I'm trying to keep up with them because you know they go to Lincoln. And Lincoln got all the, you know, they got all the scouts there. So, you know, we never get a chance to play them. But in track, we get to race them. So track was a whole different story. Like, you know, we was like one of the top schools in Florida when it came to track. Like, we was like, Lincoln was our, like, rival. And at that year, they went 40 point my senior year. That's when they went 40 point with Fred Rouse, uh, Brandon Paul, all them boys. So, yeah. Man, that was, Fred Rouse. Fred Rouse was a dog, man. At Lincoln, yeah. just. I mean, Lincoln Powerhouse, man, with Kamardi and all those guys coming through. Mm-hmm. Lincoln, you know, we competed against them definitely in track, too. Um, yeah. just, you know, Miami coming to Tallahassee, running against them at the Florida Relays. Florida Relays yeah. Louis Bean. Not Louis Bean, but I mean of uh, Bob Hayes. Bob Hayes just, that's always, good, yeah. always good competition. Yeah, man. Talk about your recruiting process and why you decided to attend Bethune-Cookman University. 
recruiting process. Oh man, now that was fun. That was a, that's probably like the funnest thing I did in high school besides hang out with my boys. So the recruit process was like it was different for me. Well, it was different because it's new. Because in my head, you know, I'm I don't take the ACT my 10th and 11th grade year. I ain't taking no more after that. First time I took it, I made it 24. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done. Like yeah. they say you guys gotta make it at 16th for athlete, get a scholarship for athlete. Mm-hmm. I made it 24. I can go, you know, I started doing my research. Well, I believe it's like, oh, you gotta have at least a 20 on the ACT to even get a football scholarship. Mm-hmm. Like, I did that. Then so my junior year, I'm like, let me see how smart I got, right? So I take it two more times. Um my junior year, I made 226s. I'm like, well, I guess that's the max that I could do. And I never finished the test, right? I never finished the English part. Like, I never finished it. Like, I hate reading that. I was like, but I'm pretty sure I could have made higher scores if I ever finished that part, right? So the recruit process, you know, I was getting, you know, I was getting the scholarships for Ivy Leagues, of course. But going into my junior year, well, my senior year, like, I started going to camps. And that's when I started realizing, like, oh, you got to actually go to camps. Like, even get exposure. This is how they get these stars, these rivals. I'm not learning about rivalry, it was uh, rivals.com and stuff like that, right? I'm like, okay, this is how they get this. So they started early, though. These kids started like middle schools. I ain't know. I was just like, all right, you just got to do it on the field. That's it. So I go to uh, Auburn uh, camp. Uh, uh, Tumbleville was the uh, head coach at the time, right? Yeah, this one they had like Calite Williams, Ronnie Brown, Anthony Mix, Charles. They had a whole squad. I think this was the only team in the SEC that went undefeated that did not go to the national championship. I think USC and maybe Texas. Somebody else went, but they didn't go. They didn't. I, they maybe split the championship with. Yeah, uh, they kind of, I think they were the AP champions. Like they got yeah. they were the AP uh, national champions. Yeah, so, yeah. So I ended up going to camp with them and stuff like that. You know, Rambo 40, you know, both ways, you know, doing the receiver thing, cornerback thing. So going into my junior senior year, I start adapting the cornerback thing because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm super aggressive. Since, you know, our, our team don't have good cornerbacks outside of Xavier Jackson. I'm like, okay, we need somebody on the other side, right? And I was like, I'm going to play everything. Forget it. It's only football. Like, it ain't hard. And I'm like, I'm like the leader of the team. Like, you know, I'm the one with the most senior privilege right now because I played varsity. I have experience, right? So get into cornerback, and I like it. I'm like, oh, man, this is fun. I'm fast. You know, nobody can run past me. I can be aggressive. You know, I just got to play my technique, right? So go to Auburn camp, playing one-on-ones. Shut thing. I probably gave up like three catches. I went about 50 times because everybody's there. I'm like, oh, man, you got people everywhere. And I'm big on co- competition. I don't care if it's like academics. <laughs> or Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I'm going to compete. Like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my thing, right? I'm like, oh, this is how you get on the map? Okay, let me go out here. One-on-ones, both ways, seven-on-seven. Oh, yeah, this in the bag. So going to my senior year, finish up senior year. Uh, I, I actually got offers from Auburn and Alabama, right? No Miami. I didn't even care about Auburn. I care about Auburn because I started watching them after that camp. But then they went undefeated. But my team was Miami. Like, I'm like, Miami Hurricanes is what made me win the crop top, stomach out, attitude. Like, I was like, that's it. Like, that's my, that's that's the PWI that I would go to. But, you know, Auburn, Alabama wanted me to play cornerback. I'm like, nah. And plus, it's not Miami. I don't want to go there. And at the time, I th- uh, Shula, Mike Shula was at uh, 
Alabama at the time, yeah. uh, 05, before he so left. He good. So, yeah, because Nick Saban came to 07. I oh, seven. So I would have got me a ring if I would have went. Uh, yeah, I probably would have got a ring. <laughs> but so I'm like, nah, forget it. My daddy always used to talk about family and stuff like that. And I was growing up, like, I was always into our culture as far as, like, pro-black type stuff. Like, okay, they always see us as athletes. They see us as smart. You know what I'm saying? We got to go to them. So I used to always look at college football, basketball, track, any sport that has, like, predominantly black people in it. It's like, what made these schools better than us, right? Well, not us, but, like, what makes these PWIs good? What makes people tune in? And you turn on TV, you see, like, it's the black people. You got the black receivers, the quarterbacks, the athletes. You know what I'm saying? You talk about the Miami. Everybody comes from Miami. Everybody got to go to Florida down the bottom to get all those Miami guys, right? It's like, oh, this is all the athletes, right? I'm like, that would make the PWI. You take them away. Then I can hear them stories that my daddy used to always tell me about the old school, how all these, like, black athletes used to only go to HBCUs because they could only go to HBCUs. Right. I think uh, Alabama was the school, or some school in the SEC was the school that started that trend of, like, recruiting black guys to come play with them, right? Because they've seen the high potential of having black athletes. So everybody started doing it. So then now you take all the black people from the HBCUs and now they go to the PWIs and now HBCUs are seen as less competition. So I'm like, two days before my signing day, I flipped it. I was like, I'm going to Goodman. And I went to, I went to my, I went to one visit, you know, went to this, uh, I went to one visit to Cookman. I didn't want to go to Florida. Uh, I didn't want to go to FAMU. Because my daddy went there. I was big on like starting my own legacy, doing my own thing. And my mom always told me, like, hey, you go to school, go away, go like hours away. You know, so you can only become a grown man if you just leave away from home. And that's what I did. Signing day came, I signed the cookman. All my friends were like, oh man, you ain't gonna over Alabama, you stupid. Like, you ain't trying to go to the league, you can't do this, you can't even be an engineer. Nobody ain't gonna wanna hire you from now now. Like, watch. Like, I was always like, had a chip on my shoulder. Because, A, I'm from Quincy. Nobody know where it's at. I'm from the country. I'm black. They think I'm just an athlete. No, I can do everything. I that, all, that all makes sense. But I, I definitely was going to ask, like, how did you get past FAMU? I mean, <clears throat> being right outside, like you said, now your daddy have, I mean, your, your daddy went there, so you mm-hmm. have roots there. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, how did you get past Tallahassee and FAMU? But I guess that all makes sense. You I had to go. I had to get away from home, man. Like, I seen everything in Tallahassee Quiz. I was like, and plus growing up, I always thought I felt like I should have been from New York. So <laughs> ever since like elementary, I used to always watch the movies, you know, the big cities, you know what I'm saying? The little attitudes, like the New York people got like a swag or attitude to them, like you can see it. Right. I was like, I feel like I should have been from New York, but you know, I'm from Quincy. That's fine. So I have to leave. I'm like, I can't I know there's nothing in Quincy or Tallahassee. People go to Tallahassee, they think they made it. I'm like, nah. They ain't it, you know. Black people, you know, we got to, you know, got to elevate our minds out of Quincy. So that's what I did. Uh, what was the biggest, the biggest adjustment for you coming from high school to college? Oh man, high school to college, moving away. I think my hardest day was the first day my mom and my daddy dropped me off. My mama tough, you know. My first day getting there, my mama come in, you know, she see all like she seen Corey with his shirt off, I'm like. Yo, he got tattoos on his chest. So, <laughs> you know, <Corey> <laughs> yeah. so you know, that's the first person you see. And she see the rest of the teammates. She seen Kevin Burt and all these boys. Like, she's like, are these these grown men, Phil? These grown men. I'm like, 
yeah, I mean, it's college. I mean, it's supposed to be that way, right? So my first day was like, you know, I had, you know, I had the butterflies, you know, nervous a little bit. You know, mom and them, they drive off. You know, I got my little bag, camp, football camp. It's time for two days and stuff, right? Like that first day was my hardest day. After that day, I was good because as soon as I got into it, man, Solomon, Corey, all the freshmen, and we was all the same people. Like, it's like, okay, hey, it's our first time here. You know, we ain't, you know, we freshmen. We don't know what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. we going to make the most of it. So just moving away, um, being away from your family, food, money, that kind of stuff, transportation, not knowing nobody, got to, like, build up a whole address book of, like, who to go to to get this or that. So that was a big thing. That was the biggest adjustment. I was I was excited for it. So, I mean, I'm fortunate enough for you as an athlete, you have a, a class of freshmen that come in together. So you guys kind of learn that process together, you know, opposed to just say you just went to Princeton and just you wanted to go as just a student athlete, yeah. just a student. You know what I mean? Like that's a whole different navigation of trying to find people who you have some things in common with. That's a whole different adjustment. So, yeah. yeah. You know, having that with you, but I, I, you know, definitely coming in, you know, yeah, Bethune Cookman. But uh, let's talk about, you know, your first two years. You really ain't played that much uh, because you had a guy named Eric Weems in front of you. Can you just talk about, of course, first coming in, as you said, to camp. You know, one thing I coach will run, run the dog crap out of you. So, so I know, even <laughs> as a track athlete, it's the same thing I thought. I track guy, I'm good with this. It's a different type of it's a different type of system and engine when you talk about coming into a whole Ooh. system of differences. But just kind of talk about a little bit about obviously that adjustment to to college and and, and playing, uh, but then also seeing the guy like Eric Weems in front of you. Man, how was that for you? Man, so coming in freshman year, have no idea what to expect. I just know because they sent us this packlet of like workout, all these forties, all these tens, all these twenties. I'm like, all right, I can do all that. All right, Dad, come out here with me, help me work out. Man, freshman year, them suit the um, what we call them? Um, them teams. What we call them? Seventeens. 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 A lot of people. You got people like walking down the side, like they basically gasses, right? And when yeah. you know, like you go, boop, 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 test line, boop, boop, boop. like inside of a gym, yeah. just running the whole time. Like I don't even know how, like. Uh, at some point, your brain just go delirious and your body just start walking. <laughs> yes. yes. so the, conditioning test, the conditioning test for us, Dre, was before camp started, we inside of the basketball gym and uh, we were running 17. So you have to, you know, there's a time frame that you have to run these 17 gasters in. You know what I mean? So, you know, my I'm going to just speak quickly. My, my, my first time, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. None. But after I realized what that was all about, Every summer after that, I played basketball all summer long. <laughs> because you you in like you outside training, sun, all that, whatever. But in the gym, it's cold, breathing, it's cold, cold man. Game over. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was serious. Bruh, like that conditioning thing was like three or four loops. So the 17s killed me. <laughs> but the thing that killed me was, I don't know if you remember, but um when we had bye weeks. And family, you usually have like their homecoming on our bye week that weekend. Mm-hmm. And that Thursday, before like you know, coach would give us that worst that we thought, right? No workouts. And we used to run 40 after every practice, you know, we might run 20, you know, some little small. After a while, 20 was like, I, right, you know, whatever. But to get this by, like to get these days off, you know, get we're gonna get the butter from the duck, right? So <laughs> man, we running. Beep, beep, beep. 
you know, we did our normal 30 to 20 sprints. You know, people getting gas, you know, so we do 40. Then coach like, blow it up, take your helmets off. He's like, oh, yeah, nah, on the line. Like, he taking you, telling you to take your helmet off, you loosen up a little bit. Now we run it again. We do another 40. Sometimes you get bumped and you run about seven or eight of them in a row and then, you, you know, you probably gonna ran about 100 and something, right? Mm. He blow it back up. Take your shoulder pads off, cats. Take your shoulder pads off. <laughs> we think we're done. Back on the line, Pat. Beep, 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 beep. Damn, Pat, let him breathe. So we going back and forth. I mean, I mean, we ran at least 100 of them things. Easy. And at that point, my freshman year was the first time I contemplated going back to Quincy. My freshman year. After that happened, I'm like, I'm, I'm in the 40, I'm in the three-point stand because you run these sports in three-point stands. Every time you put your head down, three points. So that's taking a lot out of you. And every time I put my hand down in the dirt, bruh, I should have just went to Alabama. I want to know what I want to know if Mike Schuler and them, uh, you know what I'm saying? I just transfer up there. And I'm like, nah, I can't go back to Quincy. I'm like, people are like, bruh, you left, you left, you left Cookman. They kicked you out. Like, what happened? You can't cut the muscles. Like, bruh, like it was that bad. So got over that. I'm like, okay, I know to look forward to. So the season come in. And you know, hear people talk about the franchise, the franchise, knapsack, knapsack. So you see this red guy, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the gold chain. He from he locally he from Sea Breeze. You know what I'm saying? So you know, I see him, and everybody talking about the stories about him, right? Like all this, you know, freshman year, this and the third. So I haven't seen him play, and at the time, I'm not an A back. We so our wing position was called A back. I wasn't an A back at the time. I was a receiver, so I came in as a receiver. And Coach Wise always said, "Oh, we got this guy Philip Kirkland that's gonna replace the the franchise." And I'm like, "I don't know what this man talking about. I ain't, I ain't gonna cut nothing. Like, I ain't gonna cut this squirrel. I ain't cut no, I ain't cut no humans. The, <laughs> so I'm seeing these people cut. And I'm like, nah, man, for me and my uh my teammate Corey, he out there cutting them down like ain't nothing. I'm like, well, I ain't, I ain't about that. Like y'all trying to take people's knees out? These my teammates. That's crazy. So." He's still talking about that, and I'm like, I have yet to see him play. I have yet to see him practice. So we get the first, we get our first practice. Got helmets on. Finally, get to see the man play. I get to see the franchise. I'm in the group with him, and all the little stations we go through through camp, watching. He going through boom, 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 boom. like he like, yeah, like he's trying to make a team or something, right? He working that hard. So I'm like right behind him, boom, 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 trying to keep up with him, right? Not knowing that I ain't pacing myself because I ain't with this yet, right? So I'm thinking after all these little drills we do, oh practice, that's the first practice. That's it. Like we done for the first day of practice. No, nah, ain't it. That's just like the warm-up stuff. We gotta go actually do seven on seven position stuff, then teams and all this other stuff, board drills, all this other stuff. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> my, tight, my leg, my leg's gone cold. I can't even move. Right. So <laughs> and seeing knapsack. Well, Eric, you know they call him knapsack when I was there, right? Eric. Seeing him go through, and now we in seven on seven. He and team. Now I see everything. He cutting people down. He 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 aggressive. Kawhi like ah uh-uh, no hit him. I'm like this man just laid this man out. You talking about no hit him? He like he playing football, bro. Like what about like? But he talking about oh you got to touch him. What this man was like cutting these people down and like hitting people out of bounds? And you talking about don't touch the franchise? And then you know just seeing him like work like the catches he making. Like the play, like he's like dialed in, like he's like trying to make a squad. I'm like this, this the dude that he's the franchise, right? Like why he playing so hard? Like I'm, I'm thinking like he's a superstar. He ain't gotta play this hard. 
This man don't set the tone. I'm trying to keep up with him. So he running the 40s. And he wasn't that fast. So I'm like, okay, I can beat him in the 40s, though. You know what I'm saying? I'm beating him in the 40s, though. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, after you get to like 30, 40, you know, you tired. And he's he running the same speed the whole time. Like, he, this is top speed, but he can run it so many times. And he just, <laughs> so finally get to see him play. And I've seen it. I'm like, yeah, this man is great. But I still didn't want to play. I still didn't want to send the bench. I'm like, okay, we got two A-backs or whatever, right? Because Coach don't move me to A-back. Now I'm like, okay, well, we got two of them. And then we got Burt and all these other boys and uh, Wingfield and all these. I'm like, oh, well, they see us. And now they get they know all the plays and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, I don't know how to cut like that. That's what's up. So I was sat behind the franchise for two years. And in my head, I'm like, bro, can't do it. I can't sit on the bench. Like, I know why I'm sitting on the bench. Because everybody asks, like, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like, the higher, the upperclassmen, like, after freshman, like, bro, I don't know why you ain't playing. You play, like, da da da. Like, and Coach Wilder keep coming in this camp, and he keep coming to practice, and like, oh, he's going to replace the franchise. Oh, I ain't got no playing time yet. Two years, I still ain't seen the field. Like, nothing. Like, I ain't seen nothing. But, you know, watching him play, like, I seen it. Like, I'm like, okay, that's what I got to do to beat a man. To beat a man, I couldn't beat the man because he was out, like, you couldn't replace him. So, I had to wait my turn. Or oh, every summer I had to like contemplate of transferring to Auburn every time. Like, <laughs> I'll just go to a PWI at this point. Like, so so we had him on the podcast and he talked about you know he helped us understand the idea about how he approached practice because the same thing for me. I'm like coming from you know successful a powerhouse programs in high school. The superstar really didn't never have to really practice that hard. So him being the superstar that he was. I was like, why does this dude, he never want, he never missed practice. Right. Never practice. But as we got, obviously, having that trait, that really was going to the level because he had that, that, that type of mentality of trying to get better. And he said that practice for him was always harder than the game. So he was always trying to learn more and do more in practice because once it came to the games, it was easier for him. But yeah, right. that was, that dude there was a, was a different type of breed. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <clears throat> So uh, what, what what was it like to play for Legendary Alvin Watt? <laughs> well, Coach Wyatt, man. So honestly, Coach Wyatt was a hell of a motivator. Like you could run through a wall. Like his speeches, like he was mm-hmm. playing with his fingers and be tennising. Like speeches, like I'll pay for him to just come speak at events. Just tell him what the just. Kind of like Lil Wayne is like, hey, tell him what, what's the subject, what's the deep. Hey, just go in there and just get on the track. Hey, Coach Why, I need a motivation speech for my engineers. This is what I want them to get. Here, just go in there and do your thing. Like, <laughs> speeches, legendary. Like, but he also taught those life lessons, like the little small things about the different, like, put your hand in the bucket. Like, this how fast, like, basically, put your thing in the bucket, move it, see how fast that hole closed up. That's how fast I can replace it. So that's kind of like correlating to the like life. Like the world don't care about you, right? So even if you don't care about yourself, you can just be in it, and the world gonna keep going. Nobody gonna stop. Bills still gonna be paid. Money still gotta be made. So, man, because Wild was the man. You know the high pitched voice. You know the dress code he had. The trash talk he used to have with the Norfolk uh, coaches. Like people didn't like Coach Wild. Like other coaches did not really like Coach Wild. They felt like he was like. You know, better than them. I remember this one time we was at practice 
you know, he's on our knees after practice. You know, he's talking to us. He was like, he loved wearing these gator and snakeskin boots, right? And he's standing inside these, like, like he's standing in the ant pile. And, you know, somebody was like, hey, uh, I think it was Rube. Rube was like, hey, coach, you're standing in the ant pile. Like, oh, don't worry about it. These 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 ants ain't gonna do none of these snakes, snakes, these ants. And he just stood there <laughs> in the ants with his little gator, his little snake skin boots on. Like, man, this man crazy. But he was a cool dude, man. Like, he was smooth. You know what I'm saying? He'll help you out if he could. You know what I'm saying? But he would tell you straight up, like, hey, coach, you can play for me, coach. Like, he'll tell you quick, like, quick. Get his butt out of here. Get his butt out of here. Send him home, coach. I don't even yeah. know why he's here. <laughs> all of that but no once you you know once you on his good side and once he love you and I mean, there's it's no wrong you know what i mean yeah. it was i mean he gonna take care of you so talk yeah. about when it clicked for you obviously that you became that guy right you became that guy that the offense was built around like when did it click for you and you kind of got that confidence of just like well, it, started, over? It, started, uh, it started clicking to me well for me actually well he actually told me like after the uh classic uh after naps that last game like he pulled this side, like, you know, all that stuff I was telling you about. It's time, champ. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So he started calling me to the office more, the coaches, you know, going over the board, you know what I'm saying, getting into like the defenses and stuff. Because, like I said, like I'm just like, if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna learn it. Like I'm gonna learn stuff I don't even need to know, right? Because my brain is just gonna absorb everything. Like I'm gonna know what everybody's gonna be doing, right? So. You know, start going to the board, going over the different plays and stuff like that, the different checks. You know what I'm saying? I even got to the point where I'm doing, like, the tackles. Like, I'm drawing up the whole defense. Like, okay, you know, you got the three, you got the one take, you got the two gap over here, you got the five, six, seven technique. You got this, you know, linebacker going to line up here. Like, it was that. Like, it started coming to me like science. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, this is easy. This is math. Like, X's and O's ain't nothing but math. For me, it's, it's less complicated for me because I see everything. So, going into, like, you know, my red shirt, that'll be my red shirt sophomore year. That's when I got, like, like the reins was put on me. The coaches was talking to me more. He was talking to me more, like, teaching, like, you know, getting me into, like, playing the A-back position. You know what I'm saying? So it was a real physical position. You know what I'm saying? I, You know, I was a physical person coming from where I was from anyway. So that's how, like, I end up getting into it. That's when I, like, okay, it's my turn. So, yeah, you definitely um, started to, well, I'll say accepting the cut responsibility. That's the only thing was part of the reason that was holding you back. You just was yeah. not really ready for that. Yeah. But once you kind of locked in on that and you knew it kind of came through you, it was, uh, yeah. it was over from yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype podcast. Remember to like, subscribe and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life. Been grinding all my life, yeah. sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. That's why all my life I've been grinding all my life.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.